Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. whoa, hey. whoa, Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Hey. It's going down. Y'all hey. know what time it is. Hey. We ain't playing with you. Hey. In the club. Hey. In the street. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No BS Season 3, Episode 23. I'm with myself, John, and Isaiah on tonight's fantastic show. John, I'll go to you. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Oh my goodness. Uh, life hits you. Football has been a joke, but Isaiah has one good season with this team, and then he acts like that. He's acting I all... Whatever. I can't speak tonight. I'm exhausted, but, well, welcome to adulthood. But I'm finally glad to be back after not having a computer for two weeks. Glad to have you back, John. And then, Isaiah, I know you're an Oregon Duck fan sometimes, but now you're wearing Oregon State. Come on, man. Pick a team. <laughs> our fans, our fans yeah, want answers. <laughs> yes, I am well represented at the Civil War this year. I have a Duck shirt. I got an Oregon State Beaver shirt. So, you know, they should just give me free tickets because, I mean, I'm wearing I'm basically rocking both universities. I, I, I absolutely have to be uh, at Reeser Stadium for that game, but I'm doing well. You know, it's glad, great to see you guys again. Uh, you know, Niners coming off a great win. I was there at the stadium on Monday. It was electric, man. One of my uh, rare Monday night football games that I actually get to work. So that was great. And also Thanksgiving is next week. My favorite holiday is coming up about eight days from today. So that's freaking phenomenal because you got the turkey the pumpkin pie the great food then you got the football game not to mention the macy's thanksgiving day parade it's gonna be amazing can't wait thanksgiving is coming up next week it's gonna be great uh but we do have an announcement about that which we'll save for later on uh, uh later on in the program but it's great to see you guys and uh yeah let's get this show on the road all right, let's get it going, ladies and gentlemen. I know we got basically our segments tonight. Some college football, NFL, our pigskin pickums, and our power five. So that's a quick, you know, rundown of what we got going on. So let's just dive into some college football. Obviously, the new college football rankings came out. The top four haven't changed. So it's still Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State. You know, five through seven, you know, really haven't changed either. Cincinnati, five. Michigan 6, Michigan State 7, 8 is Notre Dame, 9 is Oklahoma State, 10 is Wake Forest, 11 Baylor, 12 Ole Miss, 13 Oklahoma, 14 BYU, 15 Wisconsin, 16 Texas A&M, thanks Isaiah, 17 Iowa, 18 Pittsburgh, 19 San Diego State, 20 is NC State, 21 is Arkansas, 22 is UTSA, 23 is Utah, 24 is Houston, and 25 is Mississippi State. Gentlemen, obviously the top seven haven't really changed. But as we're getting down to the last final two weeks of the season, we're going to get some interesting matchups in the Big Ten, I would say, to really push the top, you know, I guess three teams in the Big Ten duking it out to, you know, get into the college football playoff spot. And Ohio State is the team to beat, but Michigan State needs some help along the way, but also Michigan needs some assistance as well. 
But it really boils down to, you know, who gets over the leapfrog and all that stuff. But I'll go to Isaiah to kick us off. Isaiah, what do you think of this, you know, the committee selection of ranking these schools on how they are ranked? Uh, I'm not surprised because when you looked at this past weekend's games, uh, you looked at it and, you know, Georgia was obviously one of the most dominant teams. They whooped uh, Tennessee 41 to 7. And ladies and gentlemen, just like that. Please stand up for the MI6 Sports Network National Anthem. Put your hand over your heart. Isaiah loses again. Isaiah loses again. 23 years of losing. Isaiah loses again. Thank you. You may sit down. Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess we'll read some comments in the meantime until we get Isaiah back. So, Kiersey Wilson says, hi, guys. And she is looking to Thanksgiving herself. All right, mm-hmm. Isaiah has returned, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get back to his take. Isaiah, welcome back. I read two comments from Kirstie Wilson to keep us going. But, you know, resume your statement on what you have to say. So sorry about that. I was having some uh, technical difficulties over there. But before I get back into my take, I got to give uh, my guy Adam Barber, my co-host on Kicking It With Isaiah and Ace, a huge shout-out, um, a huge shout-out for his comment, he says, the only BS I need is beers and sunshine. 100% absolute fact, Adam Barber. You nailed it, man. That might be the comment of the show right over there. Uh, But back to my take. Um, Like I said, when I was giving uh, my take before before the technical difficulties cut me off, um, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, I have no problem with it because when you looked at all the games from this past weekend, Georgia dominated Tennessee, Alabama dominated New Mexico State, my poor Aggies, my poor Aggies. Uh, Oregon, they had a really strong win over Washington State. They were in total control of that game from start all the way to finish. And then Ohio State dominated um, Purdue uh, in the shoe, so it it was a no-brainer that these that these top four were going to stay the same because everybody just dominated their opponent. Nobody had a sluggish game or nobody slipped. Um, number five and number six, Cincinnati dominated their opponent. Michigan, they rallied to beat Penn State. That was a very impressive win. Michigan State, I think Michigan State. A lot of people are, you know complaining about Michigan State being below Michigan. For this week, I'm actually okay with it. Just because Michigan State struggled to beat Maryland. And Michigan, they even though they had to come back, but you know, you had to take into consideration that it was a hostile environment. It was a road game against Penn State. Anytime you go into Penn State, into Happy Valley to play the Nittany Lions, that's always a difficult, difficult task. So actually, I actually agree with the committee putting Michigan ahead of Michigan State uh, just for this week because I think that Michigan State, um, after I think they kind of looked ahead to their game against Ohio State uh, and really struggled against Maryland. And then Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, uh, not a surprise. Baylor over Oklahoma, not a surprise, considering the fact that Baylor beat Oklahoma um, last Saturday. And then the other other thing that I really um, am noticing from these rankings is 
Uh, I would say UTSA, the University of Texas San Antonio. They, I think they should be a little bit higher than number 22 just because they're one of the only undefeated teams left in college football. And I know they haven't played great competition, but I think you could put them ahead of an NC State who has like two or three losses, a Pittsburgh who's got like three losses. I think you could put them over one of those two teams. So those guys, uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners, I think they should be a little bit higher than they what they are right now and last but not least i am so happy for my man will rogers and mississippi state to be back at number 25 in fact i think they should have been higher than number 25 because they go into jordan hare a stadium where it is very tough to play at jordan hare anytime you go into jordan hare for some reason something hairy always goes on there at jordan hare against the auburn tigers and auburn was i believe trevor uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Auburn like number twelve or number thirteen at that time? Around around about there, they were a lot of the I guess SEC teams bound for like second place were really knocking each other off, and they all faced each other within the last three weeks to really iron things out. But at the same time, there's still you know some hope for some teams to slip in if Alabama loses in the Iron Bowl in two weeks from right. now. Right, right. And so Auburn was like 12 or 13. So Mississippi State is unranked. Young team goes into Jordan Hare, and they're down 28 to 3 with about five minutes left in the second quarter. And here we are thinking, oh my gosh, Mike Leach, Will Rogers, and Mississippi State are going to get blown out. But they didn't quit. They fought back, and they went on and scored like 36 unanswered points or something like something ridiculous like that. And they ended up beating Auburn 43 to 36. It was a super impressive victory given the fact that it was at Jordan here, given the fact that they came back from a 28 to three deficit with a very young team. That was probably one of the most impressive wins of last weekend's college football slate. So I definitely think Mississippi state with their win, I think they, they should be a little bit higher than number 25 and just entering into the rankings. But I would say that I don't really have any gripes about the rankings. That is probably like the only gripes that I have. But other than that, I pretty much agree with a lot of uh, the committee's rankings. I'll go to you, John. You see these rankings. I know Adam really put it out there. He thinks Cincinnati deserves a chance. And out of, you know, the top four that we see, it's very, I wouldn't say impossible that these would slip up. And at the end of the day, we could have a, a team that looks like this. But the question is, the committee would never put in a two-loss team unless, you know, if they thought it was worthy to put in a two-loss team. But at the end of the day, if one of these top four drop off, I wouldn't say Georgia would fall out, but let's say Alabama loses. Do you put Cincinnati in the picture or do you go with another team? If the two-loss team was Ohio State, Oregon, or maybe one other college football team, the committee wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm not here to default some of the rules. No, obviously, yes, they have they would if it's Alabama. Like I said, if it's Alabama, Ohio State, maybe Georgia, and maybe I'm pushing with maybe one more college football team, they wouldn't have a problem with it. But if it's Cincinnati, Baylor, somehow Iowa, they get a hypothetical situation, not going to happen in real life, then they would, they would have a problem with it. But, I mean, it's possible – but with how we know the committee is being right with their mentality and everything, there's absolutely no way that they would get – Cincinnati would get in just because we know the bias of the college football playoff committee. 
Yeah. On top of that, just looking at the rankings alone, I thought Wake Forest can, you know, stay unbeaten and slip into like a six spot because then, you know, they would get in. But, you know, that's not there anymore. So it's really going to be interesting on, like I said, the ne- how the next two weeks are going to unfold. For the four and two spot, I would guarantee you that. Three is up. To, three is in Oregon's fate. If they went out, they're, they're going to get, you know, maybe a two or a three, depending how the committee want to view, view their wins. But at the same time, they could easily choke away and basically knock themselves out because it would be their second conference loss. And that kind of eliminates them from like almost, I would say, a conference title in there. Isaiah, yeah. And would you, mm-hmm. I will also say this, you know, I think about the argument about Alabama. I think if Alabama, let's say Alabama plays Georgia close, right? They play Georgia close and they lose by three or even lose by a touchdown. I think that they would put Alabama, a two-loss Alabama team in over an undefeated Cincinnati just because I just don't think the committee likes group of five teams. And you've seen in the past where they, they're the committee's, in the committee's eyes, Alabama is like up here. And I mean, they can't, I mean, the people can't see me and what I'm pointing at right now. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's viewed very highly in the committee's eyes. And, you know, the group of five teams, the committee's view on them is just like, eh, okay. But I think if Alabama were to play Georgia close, if they were to lose by three or even a touchdown, I, I really think that they would put Alabama in over Cincinnati just because they view them very highly and also the fact that Alabama uh, draws views. So and you, you need, you know, the, the marketing ability. So I think that's why they would put um, Alabama in. So for me, I just don't see a path for Cincinnati to get in no matter what they do. I mean, they basically need Ohio State to lose Oregon to lose to Utah this this weekend, and then Alabama to lose to Auburn. That's like the only way I see Cincinnati potentially getting in. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to add in another person. It was a good night until (laughs) – And, ladies and gentlemen, we're adding Shri to the mix. Shri, welcome aboard to No BS. How are you tonight? Doing well. It's been a while since I've been on a show, so uh, excited to uh, hop on and talk some college football with you guys. Also very excited for this next segment that's upcoming. But Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure you're so excited about this one. You didn't, you didn't need any coffee or Red Bull or anything. You, this is nope. your source of just, caffeine. Just naturally excited. Well, I'll, I'll um, let you. Natural. That's a bunch of no BS. <laughs> um, yeah, let me give my two cents on the, on the rankings real quick. Uh, two things that I noticed is the inconsistency yet again by the committee in terms of their uh, logic in t- uh, of ranking teams, right? So you see here Michigan's ranked sixth and Michigan State's ranked seventh, but Ohio State's ranked fourth and Oregon's ranked third, right? So uh, do, do head-to-heads actually matter or do head-to-heads don't mean anything? Because clearly, you know, Michigan State beat Michigan head-to-head. Um, and Oregon beat Ohio State head-to-head, yet they have two different ways of ranking these teams, and it's just absolute inconsistency, and it's it's just blasphemy by the uh, college football playoff. And I remember uh, on ESPN they had, uh, you know, the college football um, – the head of the college football play, uh, playoff ranking come in and kind of talk to why they had um, Michigan ranked ahead of Michigan State, and he said 
And I quote you, he said, by a lot of our metrics, um, we see that Michigan is a better team than Michigan State. So despite the fact that Michigan State beat Michigan, um, we're going to rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Yet, I could use the same argument for Ohio State and Oregon. Ohio State has the number one offense by far in the country. Uh, Oregon doesn't. Ohio State didn't lose to an unranked Stanford team that's just god-awful. And Ohio State also has, you know, better overall statistics and a better FPI ranking, a better, um, you know, dif- point differential, more turnovers. They have – they basically best Oregon in every single category except for total defense. So if you're looking at the more complete team and if you're actually using that as a committee, as an argument for why you're going to rank one team ahead of the other, I don't see how you can rank Oregon ahead of Ohio State and then rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State. At least be consistent in your logic. And secondly, uh, in terms of the Alabama two loss, that is absolutely not going to happen. I will guarantee you if Alabama has two losses at the end of the season, Cincinnati is getting into that playoff. Um, I think the committee just loses all their credibility if they put a two-loss Alabama team that struggled against the likes of LSU and Florida um, in the playoff over a Cincinnati team that's gone out there and beat every team that they had to win against. And who would Alabama's most quality win be, um, you know, if they were, if they did uh, end up winning out and losing to Georgia? Maybe an Auburn, um, maybe a Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I don't know about you guys, but Notre Dame's ranked ahead of all of those teams. So how do you put in a team with zero losses? How do you leave out a team with zero losses and a more quality win than Alabama because they beat Notre Dame on the road? Alabama's best win right now is against number 12 Ole Miss. So, again, how do you have a two-loss team that struggled against some very bad competition um, that doesn't have a quality win? How do you put them in over an undefeated team that's beat a Notre Dame team that's that the committee themselves have ranked ahead of uh, Ole Miss. How do you leave that team out? I just don't know how you do it. And you like, if, if they do put Alabama in with two losses, it is clearly just a play for more ratings for more money and that, and they lose all credibility in my opinion. And in the opinions of a lot of people that aren't sec or Alabama fans. Um, And I don't, I just don't think that the committee would risk, uh, that damage to their reputation um, among a lot of the college football committee by leaving Cincinnati out and throwing in a two-loss Alabama. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the two kind of takeaways I have from the rankings. I could get into the nitpicky and say, you know, uh, how is how are some of these SEC teams ranked so high? How is Texas A&M number 16? I don't know. How is Mississippi State 25? Like, I, I completely disagree with Isaiah. I think the Auburn team that they played was very overrated. We saw them lose to Penn State, and Penn State's not that good as we've all seen. Um, so I, I do think that, again, SEC keeps getting the credit uh, despite the fact that the on-field performances say otherwise. Um, but that's pretty typical at this point from the committee. So my, my main surprise here is Ohio State and Oregon and ranked the way they are and also, like, completely disagree with – what everybody else has said or Isaiah particularly has said about Alabama uh, being a two loss team that gets in. I don't think there's any chance that happens. Yeah. Looking at that tree, I think going back to the, I guess, head to head matchups, you got to look at Cincinnati, Notre Dame. They've played head to head yet. Cincinnati is ranked over Notre Dame, but you can't, you know, be the consistency with Michigan and Michigan state. So it's like you have two solid head to heads, you know, between the two teams, you rank two one way and then you completely flip on another way. So it's yeah. just like going stuff like that. Being consistent is definitely 
something I would say I have to agree with you on that one. Asking the, to asking, and I agree with you, but asking to have consistency in the college football playoff committee would be like a person on the network having like <laughs> consistent takes that make sense. And like Texas, and it'd be like Texas actually being a true contender. It's not going to happen anytime soon. So again, it's it's, it's like it's try, it's like trying to convince a kid or a teenager, hey, it, it's right there. No, it's not. You're not going to turn. It's like the episode of SpongeBob. Trevor, he's like, it's right. Everybody's like, it's right there. Nope, you're not going to listen. And that's basically the cost of the player. Well, that being said, like, I'm surprised. The the team that I'm surprised is not on the list is that Texas team, you know. Steve Sarkeesian you know, was supposed I, to come hey, in. I think this you have a, a top I, I'm team. so sorry. I think Sheree has a sinus infection tonight. I think he needs to be tested for a, a jackitis. And so I just want to make sure that he gets tested for that tonight. Well, with the topic of Texas, you know, we'll, we'll just transition to the next segment. I'll face me. it, though. I'm not going to be like I said, <laughs> I'll face it even though it bothers me to the to, to high heavens. Well, you know, Texas had a, a tough, tough loss. Tough? They shouldn't yes. be ranked in the top 200. <laughs> to Kansas. They lose, I believe, wasn't it, what, overtime, Isaiah, or no? This is overtime. Overtime? overtime yeah. 57 points. to 56. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. I'll go to Isaiah before John goes on a nice long rant. And we all sit and enjoy it. But Isaiah, going into Texas Mayhem, they've been having an up and down season. They have great first halves, but terrible second halves. But I'll just let you go into it. Just dissect this game for us. First of all, I got to say this. I purposely today went to Target and bought myself a nice bag of Sour Patch Kids watermelons because I knew that John was going to go on a huge long rant. I'm just going to sit here with my feet on the table and just enjoy these nice Sour Patch Kids watermelons while John is going on his rant. But let me say this. How about those Texas Longhorns, man? Oh, how the tables have turned, John. You know, you were laughing at me a couple of months ago when I said, this is George's year. And guess what? The Bulldogs are the number one team in the nation. We are the kings of college football, and life is so good over here in Athens, Georgia. Well, I'm not currently living in Athens, Georgia, but you guys know where I'm going with this. And in, in, and in you know, Austin, oh, man. You guys just can't wait for football season to be over. Let me let me give you guys some stats. Kansas had not beaten Texas in Austin ever in their long history of their program. Kansas had not beaten Texas in Austin ever. Also, another stat. Texas is now on a five-game losing streak. You know when the last time they were on a five-game losing streak? 56 years ago and also the the texas longhorns or the kansas jayhawks their last big 12 win was charlie strong's final game against the texas longhorns so just got to throw those stats out there to rub it into john but about the texas longhorns let me say this you're if you're you're texas you are right now kind of in a dead end because even though your program is so bad, you've lost five in a row, the offense always gets off to a good start and then struggles in the second half, or in this game, gets off to a terrible start and then you know picks it up in the second half. 
You can't do anything about it because you just hired Steve Sarkeesian, who is in the first year of a six-year deal. His buyout, if you fire him right now and he goes one and done, is $20 million for him only, not including his coaching staff. So you can't fire your head coach. You probably can't fire your coordinators because if you do, then the recruiting class players that you, you have coming in, they're not going to want to come and they're going to lose a lot of them to the transfer portal. So for Texas, you're basically stuck in a dead end. You can't do anything. You might as well just watch what's going on and just take your lumps because you can't do anything, not just for this season. You can't do anything for next season because Sarkeesian's buyout only goes to 17 million after uh, next season. You deal the, the the fastest time you can fire Steve Sarkeesian is four years, four years from now. So, John, I'm sorry, man, but you're stuck with this guy. You're stuck with this guy. You're stuck with this coaching staff. Might as well just go and take your lumps. But, Shree, Trevor, go ahead before John goes. I'll let Shree go. Texas struggling, and they're looking to go to the SEC. This is a terrible way to, you know, start your campaign and try to say, we're going to be a good team in the SEC. Shree, I'll go to you. What what does Texas need to do to turn this program around? I don't know if there's anything they could do to turn the program around. I mean, you, you, you're you a Texas recruit, and you see them lose to Kansas at home. You know, I, I don't know if I, I'm – if I'm a Texas recruit, I know I'm looking elsewhere, you know. We saw that happen with Quinn Ewers coming to Ohio State. We've seen that happen elsewhere as well. Um, Isaiah had a great stat here, but I got some more stats – as uh, when Kansas are 24 or more points uh, underdogs, they have an overall record of one and a hundred and they were 31 point underdogs at Texas. So that's the first time they've won as uh, a, an underdog of more than 24 points. Here's another stat for you. T uh, Kansas is 0 and 56 in their last uh, 56 uh road big 12 games prior to that game at Texas. Now they're one in 56 in their last 57 road games. Kansas is probably the worst power five team in existence. Uh, I don't remember a year when Kansas is, has been good. Um, and I was like, absolutely stunned. Just looking at the score. I was stunned. I said, Texas has to come back. And they did. They came back at the end and I'm like, I was telling my roommate, you know, this is this game's over. Like Texas came back, you know, Kansas is not going to hang it with them in overtime. And and sure enough, you know, dropped interception in the end zone. And Kansas with a two-point conversion goes for the win and just completely historic win for the Jayhawks program. So want to congratulate them and not really make this all about Texas losing because you know that's that's a program defining win for them. And I wish them all the best, you know, after all the all the struggles that they've been through over the past um you know, 20 years. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's more of the same here at Texas. Uh, we saw it under Strong. We saw it under uh, Tom Herman. And I don't really think it's the coach's fault, even though Texas keeps going through all these coaches. Like we kept saying, oh, maybe, you know, Tom Herman's going to turn the program around. And then, you know, Sark coming in this offseason was a huge signing for them. And it was, you know, everyone in Texas was excited. And, you know, I heard from a lot of Texas fans that they're going to make the playoff this year. And, uh, clearly, that's not the case. Uh, I think there's something dysfunctional with that program, with that organization in general. Um, you look at some of these like NFL teams that that you see that don't win ever, and I think that's kind of similar to what's going on in Texas. I think starting in their front office, starting in 
with the boosters, with the AD, I think everything needs to be taken a look at. I don't think just going and firing Sark, as Isaiah said, you can't really do that now. And I don't think even if they did, they're not going to find anybody better. Um, and I really don't think it's the coach's fault. I think that Texas at this point is just a very dysfunctional football program, dysfunctional football team. And they really need to change the culture there in Austin. And that starts at the top. That starts at the AD level. Um, you know, I know Texas has some, uh, has some very powerful boosters who have very strong opinions about the team and the program. And, and they, they like to push out coaches every few years and, and see if it, it can stick. But I think that the entire program needs to completely be, uh, you know, cleaned house and kind of rebuilt from scratch because this is a new low for Texas, you know, growing up, I remember the days of Colt McCoy. I remember the days of Vince Young. Right. And this is not the same team that was, that we saw back then. And, and, you know, I, I like Texas. I'm not, I'm not a Texas hater. Um, I would like to see them come back, but again, I don't think it's really the coach. I don't think it's the players. I think it really has to be the entire program. And, and uh, I think, you know, the president down there in Austin has to start uh, making some tough decisions there. Uh, I think it's a really big wake up call for Texas and honestly good that it came um, before they went to the sec because um, you know, once they're in the SEC, it's only going to get more difficult. And uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, I had a friend uh, who went to Vanderbilt, and he texted me, bring on Texas. So Vanderbilt yeah, I, is very excited that they have Texas joining the conference soon. Trevor, I'll say this before you know you give the floor to John, and that is, you know, Shri, I there's something I, I'll agree with Shri on. And, that, and, you know, it's really historic because I never agree with Shri on anything. But – that is this. Chris Del Conte, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, the athletic director of Texas, he needs to be gone. If, if anybody needs to be fired, it's him. Because this dude has been making bad hires, not just in football, but throughout their entire athletic program. Uh, he's just made bad hires after bad hires after bad hires. The only hire that he, I think he's gotten right thus far is the basketball hire. When they hired uh, Chris Beard, who was the Texas Tech head coach, who did a fabulous job with Texas Tech to be their basketball head coach. But this is the same guy that hired Charlie Strong. Tom Herman, Shaka Smart in basketball, and now Steve Sarkeesian, who had a 50-41 and 41 record as a head coach at Washington and USC, and he gave him a six-year, $36 million deal. You didn't have to give him that big of a contract. I guarantee you, you probably could have given him like a five-year, I don't know, a five-year $20 million deal or a five-year $15 million deal, and you would have got him. You massively overpaid when Sarkeesian said the only place that he was probably going to leave Alabama for was Texas. So you could have gotten him for the cheap, but instead, no, you pay him six years and 36 million. And now you probably can't eat that. You can't fire him until two or three years after this season. So if there's one person that absolutely needs to go, it's the Texas athletic director. Cause he's making bad hires after bad hires after bad hires and just outbidding himself and outbidding the entire Texas program for these coaches that nobody's really going to pay that much money to. Yeah. And one more thing real quick before John goes, uh, cause I know he has an epic uh, rant coming up, but um, Texas just seems to be where coaches go to get to, for their careers to, to die, die. Right. Like to die. To you, see, you see it every right. few years, like who wants to go to Texas? Like, you know, now if Sark leaves, like 
who in their right mind, what coach in their right mind is going to sign up to go to Texas and, and take over that program at this point, right? So something really needs to be looked at because what used to be one of the premier jobs in college football and what is still, I think, uh, I think as of last year, they're still the, you know, uh, most valuable team or the most valuable program in college football. And to see them just struggle in the way that they've struggled, I, I you know, what players want to go to, are, is going to want to go to Texas? What coaches want going to want to go to Texas? Especially when you see, you know, if you're a Texas recruit and you want to stay in town or in, in the state, you see what Baylor is doing. You see what Texas A&M is doing. You see what Houston's doing and they're going to join the big 12 soon. So, you know, I, if I'm a player in Texas, like I'm going to look at those schools over Texas, or I'm going to look to go out of state, Ohio state, Alabama, you know, maybe on the West coast of Oregon. So it really like it, it is, it is put up or shut up at this point for Texas. And, and I agree with Isaiah. I think it starts at the top and, and the AD uh, really needs to kind of, I think, I think be let go and, and they really need to make some tough decisions there on somebody who can come in and, and preferably someone who has experience in turning around an athletic program or uh, specifically, uh, you know, a football program. I think that they need to look at someone um, because Texas is still has the brand, still has the desirability and still has the money to pay people. So, um, you know, I think that they need to bring in someone who, who has an expertise in, in that, um, in turning around programs and turning around athletic departments. All right, John, your time to shine. Your Longhorns, give it to us, your rant. <laughs> Let me crack open the cold one and not that guy because this is a sports show. Normally I would say, oh, fire the coach, fire the coach. But like y'all have been saying, the fact is doing the same thing over and over and expecting magically firing your coach and all his staff is going to magically fix everything. You have a trouble with recruiting talent, more importantly, keeping that recruiting. So you transfer some to Ohio State to uh, maybe potentially Oregon and all these other different conferences. You can't keep the players because you can't win. Firing the coach isn't going to solve anything. You need to have better recruitment. The athletic director needs to go. I haven't seen any athleticism from this team since Colt McCoy left after losing against Alabama in that team, they can run the football, they can take leads, they can come back in games. But the problem is, even going back to San Ellinger, is that they weren't even a great football team then. Because even if the record show, oh, you're 9 and 3, 10 and 2, the fact is, the only way you played well was playing from behind. And you can't do that. With that being said, how in the heart? Do you go over 50 points to Kansas? What are you going to Kansas for? Not to only maybe the cheese until maybe Alex Smith is here. Not for ribs, not for barbecue, not for dating, not for bars, no nothing. 52 points? Are you serious, Steve? Wait, you know, there's something called the first, second, third, and fourth quarter. This isn't college basketball when I forgot as a kid, I didn't know. There's only two quarters. You actually have to play defense. What about all gas, no breaks? You probably had your, your gas tank's been empty for the past four to five weeks. How do you lose to Kansas? The third streak of like one in a hundred, and that one win was against you, Steve. I'm not putting all the blame on Steve, but the fact is something is wrong in the organization. They, you can say the coach, I think maybe he could be the guy. 
But if you're always going to blame it on the head coach, then you're kind of deflecting the blame on other parts of the organization that have to be addressed. Recruitment, athletic director, clearly there's no leadership in this organization. I mean, you talk about discipline and all gas, no breaks, and clearly your breaks have been out for four to five weeks. So clearly you need to get those. You need to be sponsored by Goodyear because your brakes are broken. Clearly you need to get all new tires. You need to repaint this organization. You finally, after week one, say, okay, this quarterback, maybe he's pretty decent. Let's see where it goes. Even if it doesn't translate to wins. He backed Sam Ellinger for three years after Sam Michelle transferred to SMU in 2008, the 2018 offseason. So now you have to find another new quarterback. You finally find a decent running game. But what does the defense do? Oh, no, no. We're just going to be sponsored by Butterfield. We can't figure out how to tackle the football. We're just going to stand here and let the offense go three to four plus 100 yards. Even if you won this game, it's not a good win. This is Kansas. This is not the Chiefs. This isn't Alabama. This isn't Oregon. This isn't Ohio State. You have to be kidding me. I see toddlers with better discipline when they're trying to learn how to potty train. They're, apparently this defense might as well that everybody needs to just take a lap, sit back, drink a cup of coffee, and just take the rest of the season. You shouldn't be taking the top 50, top 75, or top 100. You should be ashamed and lead the Big 12 right now. It is disgusting. It is. I mean, how do you like what's like 40 plus points? You go into overtime against Kansas. If it was maybe, let's say, obviously this is hypothetical. Let's say if it was like an Oregon or Ohio State in the hypothetical, that may be a little bit different. It's a team that has an example of winning the past couple of seasons versus a team who Charlie Strong, you made Charlie Strong look like a decent head coach with UT. Him and Tom Herman have the same record against OU. You made Spencer Rattler from a potential Heisman candidate to a to now a fourth or fifth round pick. This guy's on the bench now because of your team. On the first play of the drive, you score. Your defense is playing well. And supposedly their starter is gone, or he's on the bench. He's pissed. And then in the second half, you're just you're like, you know what? Listen, let's just act like nothing ever happened. Your backup came in near the end of the first half and lived. I don't know if it's a discipline. I don't know if it's athletic. You've got to find different people to Texas. And the athletic director. Because they're, they're just seemingly like the team doesn't want to play. And if you're automatically going to assume blame and say, oh, it's all on Steve. It's all on Steve. But then we're just being unrealistic. When you yeah, lose so many. Ishmael's comment, John. Here's another stat for you. Texas has given up 55-plus points in its history 12 times. Two of them have come have came this season under Steve. <laughs> See, I, if you put all the blame on Steve, yes, the defense isn't tackling worth nothing, but it seems like their identity is like the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL. Are you trying to go to the playoffs? Are you trying to tank? You move Matt Ryan's contract from the early 40s to the low mid-20s. And you're trying to free. You trade Julio Jones, Pat Ridley, hopefully he comes back healthy for his mental health, all that. And then you go back to UT, it's like you play in the first half, and then you, you establish the run early. You get – so you've seen our quarterback up until this point have a couple of deep passes. And then the second half, you completely – let's do what worked in the first half, and then you do the exact opposite. That's like with Isaiah sports takes and his sports potential comments on the team winning. Do what he says and do the opposite. 
It's just like your mom. Do the exact opposite of what Tony did. So therefore, you don't risk your life. That's what Texas is doing right now. It just doesn't make any sense. You let them score 50. You let them go to overtime. You, I mean, you literally you make New Mexico State look average. And this team hasn't done anything since before. Probably I say parents were born. If even did. The problem is not. Yes. Texas signed the AD for 15-year, $500 million dollar extension. You don't need to be sponsored by Monster or Rockstar or Full Throttle. I think you're, you're coffee caffeine anymore. Let me see what show John – and I appreciate it. Well, whatever. It's all good and fun. So let's see what show John is on, and let's just troll him. The fact is with Texas is we're We can't do anything. Really, let's say the football is right here. Oh, I'm going to catch it. Oh, no, I'm going to drop it. I mean, what is his logic? You had one receiver a couple years ago. He played pretty decent. He could have stayed a couple more years and developed his game. Now he's been on three or four teams in the NFL, and he's with the Jaguars right now. And he's undrafted to the Saints. So you can't keep recruits. You can't play defense. You, can't, you for some reason, change your identity. And it doesn't make sense. It's like, like when you're at a job, whatever y'all do for a living, you say, okay, we do it A, B, C, and D. And then to the next quarter, let's do it DCBW. That's what UT is doing. I don't understand what like what logic you're doing. This is a team we saw a couple weeks ago when they scored a touchdown in the first play. That's what they did back in the day. They had great receivers. They had defensive players. They could run the football, and they stayed with what they did as an offense through all four quarters. But now in 2015 up until, let's say, 2012 up until now, they they have a first quarter identity, and then the second. Or sorry, first half identity, and then the second half identity. It doesn't change Ishmael. I don't know who makes it. I don't know Ishmael. If Ishmael's real or this is a troll account. I don't know. I've never met him. Never talked to him. But no, it's not me because that wouldn't make any sense. I'm talking to myself. That would be putting him into a cycle. That's not the point. Texas isn't bad. Now this year, it's going to be a long road. You, if you're signing Steve to that much money. You're either really committed to him long term, no, because you can't, you can't, you can't be the same thing. You can't be letting your head coach go after two or three years. You can't just be letting go of all your staff. Because then, how is that going to solve something? It takes a couple of years to develop a program. We say that in the NFL, but that's also important in college. I'm not saying that to make an excuse for Steve losing games. I would say a couple weeks ago, yeah, fire Steve, but then what, what would that do? You're repeating the same football attic situation time and time. It's that same time loop that they try to put Loki in multiple, multiple times. It's going to same thing over and over and over. Because we can solve in the what if episode. And we have Marvel fans. I say, oh, that's not DC. That man's not in it. But at the end of the day, Texas, I'm not, I'm not begging you to not fire Steve. I'm saying don't. Because magically firing Steve in the defensive court, even if the contract was financially less, like you said, like could have been, it's not going to solve your problems. You need to change your recruiting style. You need to have a better athletic director. And you gotta, you got to stay, have keep your identity the same as an offense. Like you see that with uh, y'all, y'all team in the NFL. They do this in the first half. Let's do it continuously in the second half. That would be like let's say let's say we had a blowout. We had a couple of blows. Uh, this in the past 10 weeks. 
Imagine if they what they did in the first half. They run the football, run the football. In the second half, let's just go a bunch of screen passes and play action. And you got four to five picks and lose the game. That's Texas right now. There is no reason why you should let Kansas score 50-plus points. I mean, it's the same thing years ago in 2015. We were obviously – we weren't close, but it was like close to like springtime. And we were, I think, in the beginning of March Madness or right before that. And then the guy goes to half court, shoots the ball, and wins the game. That's how Texas program is in. They can't stick with something. And it just doesn't make any sense. You can't expect to fire a head coach. You can't expect to fire a defense and just do the same thing over and over. I under, things, That's his life. If we get first rate after, I'm not saying that obviously Charles Strong wasn't the answer because he can't coach in the leagues now. But doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is what we talk about beating a dead horse. That's what we teach the kids that I work with. You can't repeat the same thing over and over and over and expect to magically come back to do. You're, you don't need to be 2006 UT. You don't need to be 2010 UT. You're a team that has always been able to, I say good, at least being able to know they can run the football. You had Dante forward for a year and a half. He's still with NC, and now we have the running back we have now. Problem is, next year you bring you hopefully can find a recruit that's not below three star, maybe three star, because you lose it. Like you say, you lose against Kansas this year. You already have to find a new quarterback next year. So how is that going to affect your recruiting class for the quarterbacks, for the receivers, and also our special teams? And that 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 has to be like our receivers and got to get better, but they also got to be. Involved in the special teams. You saw that with Sickley. We saw that back in the day with Jamal Charles. We saw that with Vince Young. Don't reinvent the wheel. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna fire the head coach and everything and start over, then you're gonna continue to do the same thing over and over. And nothing is gonna happen. There's no reason why you should score 50, let Kansas score 50 plus points. Believe me, I could be mad more, but I'm not gonna say yeah, I'm not gonna flip the table because this costs money. All right, John. Thanks for the rant. I know our fans enjoyed it and all that stuff. Actually, yes, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to look this up. I don't know. I've never met Ishmael. I want to see if this is a or not. He's a nice guy, but I just feel like that. He, he, he His breath every day. Let me troll John. Let me troll John. And then that's how he gets his breath. I, I love it. I love that rant, John. It was such an entertaining rant. Well, I guess I mean, we got another yesterday. I mean, I, I completely agree with John. Like, because it's about time. I, I was just, you know, uh, when he was when he was on his rant, I was just went and looked at, you know, the top recruits in Texas from, you know, this past year in 2020. And the, you know, top five recruits in Texas or top six recruits in Texas did not go to UT. Now, when I was growing up, that would never happen. You know, Texas got five of the top six, forget zero of the top six. Right. And you look at, you know, who's in the top six, you see someone like Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon. He's in the top six, right? You see someone like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio state. You see Garrett Wilson at Ohio state, uh, Caleb Burton's at Ohio state. You see all these Texas wide receivers going up to Columbus. It's almost like Columbus has home, home turf. Did we just lose Texas. a recruit a couple of weeks ago too? That he did, or he transferred yep. from Texas. Another yep. example right there. It's you just can't keep your offense. 
Yeah, Quinn Ewers grew up a huge fan, and I'm just talking about Ohio State guys here. I don't know about you know other teams, but off the top of my head, I can name five players on Ohio State that are solid to you know top all American level talents, and they all you know grew up in Austin, grew up around Texas, uh, you know grew up in that tradition, and to see these kids continually pick Alabama, A&M, Ohio State, all these other schools over Texas, that is just unacceptable for like the Texas athletic program and and that needs to stop. I, I don't know how they're going to stop it. Like I'm not I'm not, you know, an expert in terms of in terms of that, but they need to start, you know, when when Ohio State back when Ohio State uh you know, used to lose to Michigan every year under John Cooper. And this, this is before I started watching Ohio state, but I've heard a lot of fans talk about it. You know, um, the, the main reason they kept losing to Michigan is because Michigan out recruited Ohio state, uh, especially with the Ohio guys. They had some, some of the top players in Ohio go over there. Charles Woodson went over there. Uh, I believe Desmond Howard was also an Ohio guy that went over there. So you see a lot of these extremely talented Ohio guys and they were going to Michigan and what Ohio did and what Jim Trestle did was come in and make sure to recruit from the state of Ohio, make sure to get those top guys that are in state. And that turned around the program and that turned around, you know, the series against Michigan, as we all know. So I think similarly in Texas, Whoever comes in, whoever's turning it around, they need to make it a point to get out to these kids and to get them to stay in state because there is no there's no state that produces as much college talent as as Texas. And the fact that, you know, all these guys are going to Columbus and balling out is just completely unacceptable for a Texas team. Um, And I'll add one more thing, Uh, you know. Uh, there is somebody who's happier than Isaiah and I at, at Texas losing, uh, and that is uh, Dan Mullen and Florida because it deflected from their atrocious performance on defense against Stanford or Sanford. Sorry, not Stanford. Um, and it's crazy for me to see. Uh, you know, growing up, obviously Texas and Florida were two of the top programs in the country competing for national championships every year, and to me that shows you know, how great the consistency is at like programs like Alabama or Ohio state um, to where they're able to compete year in and year out. And they, they haven't, and knock on wood, they haven't really gone through the cycles that these teams have gone through. You, you tell me in 2010 that Texas is losing to Kansas and, and Florida has given up 50 points to Samford. I would have, th- I would have said you're crazy, but 42 uh, points in the first half too. Yep. That just shows like how cyclical college football is and, and, you know, you need to be able to run solid, tight programs, not just at the head coach level, but at the athletic director, at the program level. You need to have boosters bought in. You need to have, you know, uh, everyone on the same page, basically. And and it shows with Texas and Florida this year as great examples and maybe even LSU, you could throw them in there, too, that it's not all about the name and the money that you have, but it's more about, uh, you know, how well put together your athletic department is how well uh, your coaching staff works with them and how well you recruit specifically within um, those talent rich areas that, that are around your campus. So uh, I think, I think whoever comes in, I think they'll have a difficult job, but uh, you know, hopefully they can come in and, and turn the program around. But um, first step is they need to clean house and, and kind of like John said, you know, the status quo is not acceptable. All right. Now we got another big heated, I guess, debate topic. You know, who's the better head coach, Jim Harbaugh or James Franklin? 
you could say basically the second place ch children of the Big Ten East. They trade on and off every other year, you can say, when they play each other. But the question is, who's the better coach? James Franklin has been to a Big Ten championship game where Jim Harbaugh hasn't. But Jim Harbaugh hasn't beat Ohio State where James Franklin has done it once. So who's truly the better coach at the end of the day? I go with Shree because I know we've had this you know, conversation before. But who's the better coach? It's got to be James Franklin. Um, you talk about he went to the Big Ten Championship. He not only went there, he won the Big Ten Championship. Um, and then also you see that he has beat Ohio State. He beat them once. I'm not saying either of these coaches have had great success against Ohio State because they haven't. But Michigan State uh, – I'm sorry, not Michigan State. Uh, Penn State has played them a lot closer uh, over the past years than than Michigan has. And additionally, Michigan gets better recruits usually than Penn State. You look at a lot of these Michigan draft classes and you see, I think it was, you know, in 2019 when Michigan, uh, you know, had a very bad season and, and you look at the number of, uh, you look at the number of draft picks they have and they had as many draft picks as Ohio State did. And Ohio State went undefeated that year uh, till they lost to Clemson. So, it's, I think to me, like having the talent and just not being able to win in the big games. Uh, I really think that, you know, James Franklin, although he does, he's not great in those categories either. Uh, I think he's marginally better than uh, Jim Harbaugh is. Um, and if I, you know, if I'm hiring a coach for my program, I would hire James Franklin over, uh, over Jim Harbaugh. And that's, that's a pretty easy dis decision for me. So I'll have to go with, uh, I'll have to go with James Franklin. Yeah, and also throw on top of that, you got to look at their bowl game records as well. Michigan's bowl game record yep. for like the last, you know, f five to seven seasons hasn't been pretty underneath Jim Harbaugh, where James Franklin and Penn State have been controlling their destiny and dominating. And like, remember, I guess, guess was like 2017 or even 2018 when the Big Ten almost won every single bowl game but Michigan. So it yep. kind of goes into the fact of like saying – you know, all these other Big Ten schools can handle that business, but Michigan is slacking in the bowl game department. So it's like winning championships in more important games, I would go with James Franklin. But if you're looking over more like that recruiting and the brand name, Jim Harbaugh gets that with just the name of Michigan. If he went somewhere else, obviously you'd be lower tier and you'd be like in the middle of a pack of a conference in the Power Five. So it's like, at the same at the end of the day, if you move, let's say, you know, them to USC, I would probably say I could see James Franklin winning, you know, a couple Pac-12 championships there where I could see, you know, Jim Harbaugh doing the same result that he is doing at Michigan. I could easily see that happening. Yeah. And let me add one more thing um, real quick. Uh, I, I have to give props to uh Jim Harbaugh for uh, their win at Penn State. You know, I thought for sure they were going to lose at Penn State. That's a that's a game that Michigan always loses, right? Big game on the road, um, hostile environment, and you usually see Michigan fall flat. But no, they they won that game, and this year they won at Wisconsin too. A lot of people don't don't look at that game because Wisconsin was kind of having their own struggles back then. But clearly, Wisconsin's a pretty good team. Um, you know, Camp Randall is another difficult environment to play at. So they've won some big road games in Nebraska as well. Obviously, we saw Ohio State, Michigan State have their struggles with Nebraska, too. So the fact that Michigan pulled off all three of those road games, to me, um, they're slightly different this year than they were in the past. And, and that worries me a lot as an Ohio State fan. Um, and I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think it will be um, when we play them. But I have to give credit where credit's due, you know, to the to date. 
Jim Harbaugh has not really performed well uh, in those big games, but this year uh, with this team, I think uh, he's definitely in a much better position than he has been in the past. And, and I'll give him credit uh, for the the great turnaround because la- after last year, no one had any expectations and, and to come out and be number six, it's, it's a credit to him and it's a credit to the Michigan program. Um, so, so I got to give them shout outs as much as I dislike them. Um, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll throw a little on top of that. But, like, looking at Michigan, if Cincinnati loses to SMU this weekend, you're going to get a four-versus-five matchup. It's almost like a similar two-versus-three. But, obviously, it's a little lesser degree. But this is, like, your chance of getting to the college football playoffs. So the stakes are higher in this scenario. So we're going to see something similar at the big house. And can Jim Harbaugh live up to that, you know, excitement? Or is he going to bring out he was this short of the first down again? And we're going to have that controversy in an overtime fashion in the in the big house. But we'll have to wait and see in two weeks from now, Sheree. That would be great. That was actually my last game at Ohio State. That was a senior year fall. Uh, went out on a high note there, I can tell you that much. I'll go to Isaiah. Who do you have as a better coach, James Franklin or Jim Harbaugh? Well, if I was in charge of a program – Uh, I would not hire any of these two because I think that these two are probably the most overrated and overhyped coaches in all the college football. Uh, They're kind of similar, honestly. Uh, They both, you know, have had, you know, their good years, but then they have a ceiling and that is not winning the big game that is always choking the big game. I mean, that's what James Franklin is two and 12 against, I believe top 10 or top 15 teams. And I think Harbaugh has like a similar record as well. Um, and I think he's also like two and something against uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and also Wisconsin and Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but when I look at this, you're basically asking me between to choose between overrated and a little bit overrated. It's like it's a difficult decision, but. I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh. I would choose Jim Harbaugh just because I think that when you look at Jim Harbaugh, people forget he had a lot of success at Stanford and they were in the Pac-10 at that time. And let's not forget Stanford at that time, before Harbaugh took over, Stanford was kind of like, you know, New Mexico State. They weren't that good. I mean, I remember tickets at Stanford Stadium to go to Stanford games before Harbaugh took over and turned that program around. I believe they were like only five bucks for like the cheapest tickets were five bucks. So, and Harbaugh did a great job, turned Stanford around. I know he had Andrew Luck, but he turned him around. They won a couple of Pac-12 championships. And then uh, they ended up winning or they went to a couple of, orange bowls and rose bowls as well so he has had success before on the biggest stage i just don't know why he can't do it in the big 10 but i just think for me you know i'll go with jim harbaugh just because i think when you look at it i think he makes better in-game decisions than james franklin i did not like uh the decision by james franklin to kick that or to go for the fake field goal on fourth down and six i believe uh early in that game um, and, you know, James Franklin is a guy that doesn't call plays. Jim Harbaugh has an offensive background. He's, I know he's all, his offenses haven't been great, but, you know, he's had an offensive background. He brings discipline to a team, brings toughness to a team. If you look at Harbaugh's teams, they're fundamentally sound. They play physical football and they play disciplined football. So I got to go with Jim Harbaugh with a slight edge. Uh, yeah, I got to go with Harbaugh. Or I got to give a slight edge to Harbaugh over James Franklin. 
I'll give Casey King his comment, and then I'll go to John. So Casey King says it's a tough call. He's not a fan of either of them, but he'll go with James Franklin as least because he got to the Rose Bowl, unlike Harbaugh, who hasn't. But they can't win the big games. I think we all you know, kind of address that. It's the big games that they can't win. But James Franklin has gotten to the Rose Bowl, though he lost to USC in that fashion. A lot of his games were a lot closer compared to what Michigan has gone through in their bowl games. They played in, in Alabama, I think we want to say, what, 2019, and got bushwhacked by a wounded Alabama team that wasn't even playoff caliber ready. And that just shows you, you know, the SEC bias of things and all that stuff. But at the same time, you're representing the Big Ten. You have to at least give them a run for their money, and that didn't happen. Then I think even a little bit, I guess, what, 2017, when Michigan played South Carolina, where that Michigan running back got smacked and his helmet flew off, you know, there's also that factor in there, just pure confidence and talents-wise, but at the same time, it was South Carolina of all teams, and you let that happen, and you're Michigan. So it's like if Rutgers did that to an Ohio State player, that's what it was equivalent to. But at the same time, I think, you know, between these two coaches, it's those big games that really matter. But I want to go to John. I know you heard everyone's take and all that stuff, but which coach would you prefer? Who's the better coach at the end of the day between these two? It's like the lesser of two evils. It's like Man 21 and Man 20. They're both garbage. It's the same thing. Um, Of course, he is pissed at me. Um, I would say Franklin, but it's like on the hair of the beard that I can't play. Because they're very similar. Yeah, he went to Rose Play and lost, but it's just frankly just by a little bit that it's on that hair on the beard that I wish I could grow. Yep, I guess we can bounce to the NFL real quick and just keep tonight's program going. We're running a little behind schedule, but we'll keep us on you know track. We'll just blow through the 49ers topic for the NFL, then we'll go to our pigskin pickums. So for the 49ers. They're in the hunt for their playoff spot as Isaiah pulls up our picture. They have a chance to slip in and at the wild card spot. Their current record is four and five. They got the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Bengals, and the Falcons. All, I would say, fairly reasonable games to win out. But I feel like they're going to probably split this series and going to need help to get in. I wanted to go to Shree first before we go to Isaiah because Isaiah would say, Something outlandish, so I'm going to make Isaiah last. <laughs> so, Shree, go first. <laughs> um, in terms of, like, their next six games, or is this five games? The next five games, definitely uh, several winnable games there. Um, I definitely expect them to beat the Jaguars and the Falcons. So, those are two easy wins right there. That that gets them to six wins. Um, Vikings is at home, um, you know, as much as uh, – as much as I would want the Vikings to win, I don't think they're going to win. Um, you know, I think uh, everyone except Stephen Wang would probably pick uh, the Niners in that game. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Niners there. Uh, however, I do think they lose the two road games. I think Cincinnati is a great team this year. Joe Burrow has been playing really well. Jamar Chase has come out and just been spectacular. Uh, I know they've lost, you know, some games that they shouldn't have lost, but I think they'll get it back together and, and I expect them to win that game. And and always playing at uh, at Seattle is difficult. Um, you know, we all know that's a very difficult place to play, especially with Russell Wilson back. I know he didn't look very good against the Packers this past week, um, but you know he's coming off an injury. He has to get back in his uh, groove. But I fully expect um, you know him to be back 
and and uh, you know they're they're in an even more precarious position than the Niners now. So I think that's going to be a must win for for the Seahawks at home, and I think they're going to take that game as well. So uh, with this stretch of games, I think they'll go three and two. That brings them to what seven and seven. Um, and so it'll, it'll depend on the games after that. They're, they do have a chance at making the wild card. Um, not sure what their schedule looks like after this stretch, but, um, you know, definitely a, definitely a few win- winnable games here. So good, good news for the Niners. Um, and, you know, I got to give them props for their, for their victory. Um, uh, this past, uh, Sunday night, um, I, or Monday night, was it? Um, I definitely didn't expect them to come out and play the way that they did and, and just, smack the uh rams in the mouth so uh gotta give props where props is due i've not been the biggest niners fan um but they definitely uh deserve that win um and i see here they play it looks like they play at the texans which is another easy win so that brings them to eight wins uh and then they got the titans and the rams which are again two difficult games but i think there's a way that they can um they can make the playoffs here but uh, I think they'll they're gonna have to play more like they played on Monday and not not like they did before that. So we'll see how it goes and we'll see how the season plays out. Should definitely be interesting. Um, but I think there's some good news here for Isaiah and the Niners. All right, John, what about you? Do you think the Niners have the capability of getting into the playoffs? But Isaiah, I told you you were going to last. Don't complain hey, this about is it. You, this is your team, Isaiah. So don't pick. <laughs> You had me go last of my topic for you, too, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> the guys in some Jurassic Park. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Honestly, though, you know, he's the same guy that said the Jaguars would win the AFC South, so that's obviously been out of the picture since the beginning of the year because you drafted first overall for a good reason. Maybe... The Bengals with Jamar Chase. I just don't really see any offensive juggernauts opponents that are like, oh my gosh, what is San Francisco going to do? Quarters could be maybe a little bit of an issue, but again, they can get to the quarterback, they can pressure the quarterback, they can hit him. I mean, look at what George Kittle last week did to Von Miller. He made Von Miller look like a rookie. I mean, he made Von Miller look like he shouldn't be in the NFL. So he completely embarrassed him there. Minnesota is in denial about what's going to happen in the next couple of years. They failed. The failed terrible experiment of Kent Cousins. I will say Kent Cousins till I, this contract ends. I thought he's a top ten quarterback, according to Stephen Wang. <laughs> I thought he's better than Josh Allen too, according to Stephen Wang. He's comparing no. him to Justin Herbert too. <laughs> okay, well let's stay on track. We don't want to take this to a three-hour show because believe me, my football yeah. is is like. No, uh, Minnesota, they're, I mean, you trade one of your top tight ends, I believe, receivers to another team. So, and then you have a second year receiver, Dalvin Cook. We don't know what's going to happen with whatever that situation is off the field. There's just no team offensively or defensively that I, that could really that could stop San Francisco. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, same thing. Just do what you did in 2019. Don't reinvent the bill for Texas. He had 15 to 1,982 yards, I believe, two. Defense and right back because there's no defense, no defense in Jacksonville with Josh Allen. Again, obviously, the wrong Josh Allen if you don't know what they know. Some certain people, Minnesota, who do they have on defense? Atlanta, who Atlanta, who they they just got Spain for the Dallas Cowboys, Seattle, really with Jamal Adams, the Bengals with who on defense? So there's just no opponent 
on defense that could really stop the uh, offense for the Mavericks. So I get to see them out of these next couple of games. You beat Jacksonville. You beat Minnesota. I think you lose a close game to Seattle. Because, again, you can say, oh, it's Seattle. With the no, that's what we said about the Rams with their team. And look what happened. It's say uh, opponents in their own division. It's tough. So let's say the first four games, you can go four. I'll say five and one in this stretch. I think that Bengals may be a close game. But I still think you mean. Four or yeah, four and one. So I just I don't see a team that they could be or they could lose against really in this. Besides, probably Seattle because if it, it's a divisional opponent. So I say that also proves you lose again because the Jaguars are going to win the AC South, and if we can stand in just a minute for the MS Six Sports Network. Isaiah, you can now have your spotlight about your 49ers, but the fans already know what your answer is going to be. They're going to probably go undefeated on this stretch right here, right now. But I, you may surprise us. You may actually say they lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's see what you have for us today. Well, first of all, let me say this. I did pick the Jaguars to win the AFC South, and I've been telling Adam Barber, my co-host on Kicking It with Isaiah and Ace, and also my fellow co-host on Wild Sports Talk, that I'm still riding with my pick that the Jaguars will still win the AFC South. Though I said, I think I said last week that they will be a 10-win team, which means now that we they- said what? Yes, at that time I said that they would win 10 games. Goodbye. I can't do. <laughs> bye, bye, John. But. I said that they would go what? They, they would only lose one game the rest of the way, and they lost to the Colts, which means now they have to go undefeated, so that's probably not happening. Um, but looking at this this Niners thing, I actually got to agree with John. I'm going to surprise you guys. They're not going to go undefeated. They are going to go 4-1 and one because when I look at this schedule, Jacksonville, easy, easy win. I think the Niners, they were on a mission last week uh, to shut everybody up after the horrendous performance against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. They came out. They stopped the Rams at home at Levi Stadium. Uh, then now they got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to win that game. Minnesota, I've never believed in Kirk Cousins. Uh, they don't have a defense whatsoever. I know my guy Stephen Wang will be at that game at Levi Stadium with me. So uh, we'll see. He might as well just bring like six boxes of tissues because he knows that he will be crying during that game when his Vikings are getting pounded. I don't believe in the Vikings. I don't fear the Vikings. The Vikings are probably the most bipolar team in the NFL. One week, they look like they're headed to the Super Bowl. And the next week, they look like they should be so gutting for the, the Pretty much. We don't know what Vikings team will get. The game that I think will the Niners will lose is Seattle because the Niners have always struggled in Seattle every single year, even dating back to the Jim Harbaugh era. They've always struggled in Seattle. I think they've only won like one game in Seattle since 2011. So uh, I expect a loss right there. Um, then you got the Bengals. I know Joe Burrow's great. Jamar Chase is great, but they don't have a defense. Their defense has been giving up like 35 points a game. I expect the Bengals to start falling now because they've got a really tough schedule coming up. Uh, the last, the last what? Uh, they won nine games. The last eight games of the season, they got a really difficult schedule coming up, and I would not be shocked if Zach Taylor gets fired after the uh, after the season is over. And then the Falcons, they got Matt Ryan. Shanahan knows what Matt Ryan and that offense is all about, having coached him. So he will be able to help the defensive staff be able to 
create a game plan to suffocate Matt Ryan and that offense. I think the Niners go four and one. And when you look at it right now, if they go four and one. They're four and five right now. They will be eight and six uh, entering the final three games of the season. And right now, the Rams have the top wild card. No surprise there. Then you got the Saints, who are five and four, but they lost their quarterback. They now are stuck with Trevor Simeon as their quarterback. I think they will be going on a downfall. Uh, lately to end the season and then the seventh wild or the uh the last wild card is the carolina panthers they're five and five right now the niners only a half game back and the niners also a, ha- a half game, or no they're tied with the minnesota vikings for that eighth spot so uh i i truly believe that they will overtake either the saints or the panthers for one of the wild card spots and definitely the vikings because if they beat minnesota they will not only have the tiebreaker over minnesota but they will have it record wise as well over minnesota and minnesota's got green bay coming up uh they got a tough schedule carolina i don't really believe in cam newton honestly i think that uh the game against arizona that was a fluke i think we'll see cam fall back down to earth and then the saints i don't trust trevor simeon i think out of all these three teams that are gunning for the wild card, I think you could say that Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the best quarterback out of all these quarterbacks. Oh, please, man. Stop it. Who, you, you said what? You think Jimmy Garoppolo over Trevor Simeon? Yes. <laughs> Wait, he said, yeah, Trevor he said Simeon I would take. shouldn't even be in the conversation for NFL backup. I said I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Trevor Simeon. Why are you laughing? How is that laughable? Who played? Who had 15, 1,902 yards and two TDs, no picks? You're telling me. You're telling me Trevor Simeon, who's never been in the playoffs, over Jimmy G? I think you're. I think you're misinterpreting what I said, Isaiah. I said I would take Jimmy G over Trevor Simeon. Oh, okay. I thought you said you were going to take Trevor no. Simeon over Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I would, take, bro, I would take Cam I Newton over say. Jimmy G, though. I would take Cam Newton over Jimmy G. That's for sure. He can't throw! Okay, We'll see about that. All, it's a small sample size, but we're trying to keep the show short, so we'll leave that for another day. Anyway, yep. uh, one more thing I wanted to point out, Isaiah, real quick. Uh, you said that you still think that the, that the uh, Jaguars are going to win the uh, AFC South and get 10 wins, right? But you also said the Niners are going to beat them. So how is that possible? Because well, if the Niners beat them, they have eight double losses. Jeopardy. The, the 10 wins things was before last week. Because I said that, you know, they got to, they can only lose one game the rest of the way. So that game I was counting for was going to be against my San Francisco 49ers. So now they have to basically go undefeated so I don't see it. I There's love, no I way they're going undefeated. It's Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. What type of what? Is, you need to be drug tested immediately. Hey, but I, I'm not going to be a coward and back off my take. I'm going to. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have made the take in the first place. It's like I tell the kids every. You should have made that mistake here in the first place, or you wouldn't be in this position. Hey, I made the take. It's too late to backtrack, so I might as well just ride with it and oh you know goodness. see what happens. Who knows? Miracles have happened though in the past. I just oh, love boy. how Casey King is keeping uh, Isaiah honest here. Yep. <laughs> so now Jimmy G's the best. Isaiah, a week ago, you were calling for Trey Lance. <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, I never said Jimmy G's the best. I said out of all the three teams right now the Niners are gunning for, Minnesota, uh, the Panthers, 
and the New Orleans Saints and the Niners, you cannot tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the best quarterback out of Vikings, Panthers, and Saints. What they Hold have. up here, buddy. Yes. I'm an insulter of Kent Cousins. You're going to tell me with a straight face here that Jimmy G is better than Kirk Cousins? Exactly. No, 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 no. Yes. Let's look yeah. at the numbers here because apparently I teach the kids how to do basic math and apparently you can't do basic math. Let's look at the numbers. And I can't believe I'm defending Kirk Cousins here. Look what you're making me do. You're making me sick here. Kirk Cousins and his numbers. We're looking up right now. Because apparently this guy needs to be educated. I know what I I'll let you go research it. I'll read some comments, John, as you, as you find it. But Casey King says, yes, the Niners have a good chance, you know, to win because they took care of his Rams. But, you know, it's going to be interesting for the next few weeks. And then Kirstie Wilson says, more of the lines that the Niners could win a couple of these games, but there's going to be wins against the Jaguars and the Falcons. I could see that as well. John, I know you got your stats up for, you know, our Captain Kirk and company. So, so I, what I, you got for to, us? To, to me, defending Kirk Cousins, this is how sick you are, I say, with this sick sports take. I can't believe I'm defending Kirk Cousins as a passer. 94.6, 128.4. 112.6. Let's look at the overall. 18 touchdowns, two picks. 104 quarterback rating, 2,434 yards. Let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo's season numbers. And, again, injuries are no excuse because you said that, he, that somehow that uh, Kirk Cousins is worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I thought you had bad takes before. Okay. Uh, 10 touchdowns, five picks, less than 98 quarterback rating, less than 2,000 yards. I'm sorry. How is Jimmy G better? He had, he had, what, three touchdowns, one pick in the last two games in Kirk Cousins' numbers? Six touchdowns, no picks in the last two games. 323, 373. I've asked my case, Your Honor. He's guilty. He's in jail. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Quarter jerk. He just wins, baby. Like that song. All he does is win, win, win. No Wait, you were what? insulting him a couple weeks ago. Now he's better than Kirk Cousins? I care about What is this hoopla? Hold on, hold on. All you he like does is win. You like Austin Lugar's house. It's garbage. That's your take here. How can you tell me with a straight face that Kirk Cousins is worse than Jimmy G? Let me let me ask you this question. If all he does is win, then why did the Niners have a losing record? Well, because everybody oh, has the injured. What are you going to do? You expect him to win with a bunch of JV guys from high school? But, but, oh, you said all he does is win. But you said all he does is win. So he's doing the opposite of DJ Khaled here, right? He's 25 and 13. He's 25 and 13. That's a good enough record. Look at that defense. If you're talking about all the Jimmy G, you need to retire from the San Francisco 49ers organization right now because that is absolutely binoculars. And you do realize, right, to beat the Vikings, we wouldn't even need Jimmy G to – So if you don't need Jimmy G, then how is he better than Kirk Cousins if you don't need him? Because Does that make any sense? He wins. He wins. He wins to get up ESPN. Stop it. He wins. That's all that matters. Heck, I take How is he winning if you don't need him? Let's just say, oh, by the way, uh, we don't need you. Uh, manager are here at the store. We don't need you. But they would yeah. have said, oh, yeah, he helps us all the time. He get, we're, he's the reason why we're 300% up in sales. He's in his office watching the office. So, I mean, 
Isaiah, I'll tell you, if if the if the Niners truly don't need Jimmy G, then their front office is horrible because they're paying him twenty five million dollars a year for someone they don't need. So okay, if you know, he's that good, if they, if they need to, if they need someone to take some of that money off their hands, you know, they could give me a call. I, I'll be happy to do that whenever. <laughs> hey, I want a quarterback because that's what football is about. Winning day. Heck, I take Jimmy G over Matthew Stafford. I take Jimmy what? G over <laughs> Matthew Stafford is doing a lot better right now. We can disagree. <laughs> Matthew Stafford? How many playoff games has Matthew Stafford won? I'm sorry. You're you're trash. Kind of that you had, you had, so you're telling me it's all on Jimmy G. You need to be drug tested. Richard Sherman and that defense and another two linebackers. You're going to tell me with a straight face that Jimmy G. Again, it's just a take. Is better than Stafford? Yeah, because I don't care about Stafford. You're the second player to work with. I haven't figured out how to do basic Okay, clearly you get you had the wrong glasses. Kiersey Wilson says Dak Prescott over Jimmy G any day. It's so good. Why didn't you able to trade him? It makes no sense. Isaiah just said in in the same in the same two minutes he said the Niners don't need Jimmy G, and then two minutes later he said he's better than Stafford, who's an MVP candidate. So what is it, Isaiah? Is Jimmy well, G good, Stafford, or do they not need Stafford, Jimmy okay, G? Let's stop this here. Stafford put up MVP numbers with Detroit, and before and I'm, I've done the stats over and over for almost two years before the 2020 season. Eight of his 11 seasons, he started over 5,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, and almost like 15 interceptions. Over 4,000, over 5,000 yards in those seasons with the Detroit Lions team that went only 16 the year before, but somehow Jimmy G's better than him. And how many playoff games does he want? How many playoff games does he want? You're reflecting yet again. So you're going to tell me it's all on Jimmy G. What about the Super Bowl when he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders? Was that Jimmy G then? Ooh, probably not. All about the You couldn't have the wind sign up right. Come on. Dude, that's like saying that's like saying if the Saints won a playoff game right now and Trevor Seaman was the backup. Oh, Trevor Seaman. All he does is win because he was on the team, right? 25 and 13 record. What do you expect? And also he's been also consistently injured up until this point. So Heck, I take him over Dak Prescott too, to be honest with you. Oh no! We got we got to stop serious. this before it goes on way too long, ladies and gentlemen. Let's Bro, move on. We're, we're talking after this, this show. This <laughs> absolutely binoculars. I do not fear Matthew Stafford whatsoever, but Trevor. Boy, I, Isaiah, Isaiah's like the college football committee. He has zero consistency. Dude, I don't have an issue with blood sugar or anything, but you're getting my blood. You, you know the Texas Arizona heat. We can sizzle bacon on your car. That's my arm and my blood right now because of the. Absolutely. You thought, what's his name? Dominic Hawksworth had a terrible take today on ESPN. You got all these uh, that have been on sports TV. I got that take. You got Rex Ryan with that. There's what Isaiah said. He'll take Jimmy G over that Prescott, over Kirk Cousins. Over Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So apparently. And also, it's, it's funny. You're saying Jimmy G over Matthew Stafford, but Matthew Stafford went to your so called favorite college football team. Remember, that's Georgia. Oh, yeah, right. Did he win? <laughs> so which one is it? You're either a Georgia fan or a Matthew Stafford hater. Which one is it? I'm a Georgia fan, but I want winners. That's the thing. So you're, so you're insulting a Georgia alma mater. 
That's a football sin right there. Your Honor, I rest the case here. This is this give it to Judge Judy or wherever that TV show is on. All righty. All right, all right, all right. One last thing. I think Brett Rippian is the best quarterback ever because he has a 100 winning percentage. What are you talking about? Mark Sanchez? All he does is win. What are you talking about? Uh, what's his name with uh, Tennessee, the backup man? He's the goat, man. No, Mark. Yeah. So he's one and oh. He All he does is win. Tony Romo hasn't lost the game in years. He's the best man. That's by Isaiah's yep. right? He's been to a Super Bowl, too. <laughs> yeah, he's called it. <laughs> all right. He called the game winning play. So, <laughs> all right, gentlemen, let's move on to our pigskin pickums. I know we had a long program. We're probably going to get close to two hours. This is the first time we had a show that's long at this point. And because of, of, of like 2021 in general for like the last three months. So, we made progress in the negative direction. <laughs> but let's go to our pigskin pickums, ladies and gentlemen. All righty. All right. We got some quick games. I'll run them all through and then we'll just go through and pick. So we got, you know, number one college football. We're starting off with number seven, Michigan State at number four, Ohio State. Number two is UCLA versus USC. They put the classic rivalry game out there again between those two programs. Though they're not doing so hot this year, but it's still a good classic rivalry to look at. For the NFL games, we have Cowboys and Chiefs. And then Steelers and Cowboys to cap, not Steelers and Chargers to cap us off. So let's go into it. The first pigskin pickums. Number seven, Michigan State versus number four, Ohio State. In the shoe, I go to our fellow Buckeye, Shri. Who you got? I know it's a no brainer. I shouldn't even ask you, but who you got <laughs> going for this game? Well, I, I got I got the Buckeyes, and I think um, I think it's pretty obvious who I have, uh, as, as you alluded to there, Trevor. Um, I will say, like, I think the 19-point spread that it opened up at was way too high. Um, but then again, I thought the same thing about Purdue last week. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a close game. You know, Kenneth Walker, he's he scares the heck out of me, you know, uh, especially with that performance he put up against that Michigan defense. Um, you know, he could be scary and he can – he can really take over the game and 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 change the direction of of the game as we saw uh, when they played Michigan. Also, I think um, I think it really comes down to Peyton Thorne and if he's able to get these get the ball to these talented receivers, because uh, I think Kenneth Walker is going to have his, and obviously I think the Ohio State offense is going to be able to put up a lot of points. Um, so ultimately, I think it comes down to Michigan State's quarterback Peyton Thorne. Um, and at this point, I don't. I just don't see him doing uh, enough to put them over Ohio State. So uh, I have Ohio State winning this game. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I don't think Ohio State's defense is going to be able to contain uh, Kenneth Walker. I think he runs all over the Buckeyes, but I still think the Buckeyes win. I'm going to go with uh, 51 to 42 Ohio State. Relatively high score. Isaiah, I'll go to you. I know you're probably going to pick against the Buckeyes, but – we have to have your take anyway. First of all, whoever made that 19 point, uh, the 19 point spread needs to be banned from ever making those type of gambling predictions again, because this is not going to be a blowout. This is going to be a close game. You have a number seven team versus a number four team. So it's going to be a close game. And typically, no matter how bad they 
are or how good they are. Michigan State always plays Ohio State tough. So, um, for me, give me Sparty. I am going with Sparty to knock off Ohio State because what is Ohio State's biggest weakness? It's the run defense, and Michigan State has one has arguably the biggest or best running back on the planet in Kenneth Walker. He's, I believe, up for the Heisman uh, at the moment, and I think he's going to have a field day. Shree is right. It's going to depend on Thorne. It's going to depend on what Thorne that we get. Are we getting the Thorne that struggled earlier, or are we going to get the Peyton Thorne that was dynamic even in a loss to Purdue? It's going to depend on Thorne's play, but I think that with Kenneth Walker running the football, I think that that's going to open up a lot of the passing lanes for Michigan State. I'm going to go with Michigan State, and I'm going to go with the with Sparty on a last-second game-winning field goal. But I think it's going to be a really good game. John, who do you got, Michigan State or the Buckeyes? Two words, Ohio State, I have spoken. All righty. So for my pick, looking at between the two teams, Kenneth Walker – is going to be, I would say, a game factor into it. You could say it was like equivalent to the Saquon Barkley of 2017, running up and down for his, you know, almost Heisman campaign season. Before he came to Ohio State, kickoff return touchdown in the shoot to start the game, and then he was quiet ever since. So Kenneth Walker is not, you know, goes quiet into that game and just puts up Heisman stat numbers. It will boost his resume in the Heisman pool, if he's beats Ohio State, you know, gets him to New York City even better with that. But at the same time, it's that running back critical. Like you guys said, the quarterback factor for Michigan State as well. But I think the Buckeyes are going to pull it out. So for my pick, ladies and gentlemen, I got my Ohio State Blocko flag. We're going oh, Buckeyes, baby. We got the Blocko, baby. So I have the Buckeyes pick on that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to our next pickums. We got UCLA, USC. I think it's just a no-brainer. I'll just get mine out of there. I'm going to go UCLA on this one. Rivalry, UCLA has been somewhat decent this year, better than USC. So I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, they'll take care of business and beat USC. Shuri, who do you got, UCLA or USC? I'm going to go with UCLA. Uh, I agree with you, Trevor. Uh, I think UCLA is just a more dynamic team. Um, you know, we've seen them struggle at times, but we've also seen some good wins. I mean, I don't know how good the LSU win looks anymore, but regardless, they did go in and beat an SEC team. Uh, you know, they played Oregon very close, um, and they, they should have, I think, won that game against Oregon. Um, you know, even their losses, uh, other than the Arizona State loss, have been, uh, you know, relatively close. So, I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, UCLA. I think they're just the more dynamic team. Um, and I think uh, I don't think USC is going to be able to uh, keep up in terms of scoring with, with that UCLA Bruins team. So uh, I'll go with UCLA. Isaiah, who do you got, UCLA or USC? I'm going to go with the Bruins as well um, because I know it's at the Coliseum. But USC, they have a dynamic offense, but their defense is downright putrid. And the run defense specifically is downright putrid. You know Chip Kelly loves to run the football, and he's going to run the football like heck and exploit the heck out of that USC run defense, which is awful. So give me 
UCLA in a shootout over USC. Both of these two defenses can't stop anybody to save their life. But I just think with Chip Kelly, that running game, they're gonna they're gonna run clock. They're gonna slow down the tempo. I think that UCLA is gonna pull it out and win that game. And I just don't think USC this year. It's already it's already a lost cause for them. I don't think that they're really gonna be playing uh, for anything other than pride in this football game. And also Keaton Slovis is not going to play in that game because he's got like a leg injury. So it's going to be a, a freshman, a true freshman making his first start of the, his career. So I think the lights are just going to be too bright for him. John, who do you got UCLA or USC? I just wanted to uh, make this clear to Isaiah. You said a team should tank the Keaton Slovis in 2022. Leave that out there. Obviously, Brian, and you might as well just enjoy this game. Yes, I mean, UCLA, yes, it's a lost time for the season. Have a couple of drinks, have a cup of coffee, relax, relax, because I'm also picking UCLA. And plus, I can't pick USC. I mean, I'm a Texas fan. I don't care if USC has the better program. I will not pick USC. That is what you want to just Perfect. You picked Oklahoma to win the Big 12. Just putting that out there. Actually, I think Texas is not clear. We're still in that. Well, hey, you picked Oklahoma, and then you brought your you got your pick back. So come on, man. Hey, you do the same thing. So let's let's be a little. Consistent. We gotta keep it consistent. We can't be the committee now, gentlemen. You gotta yeah, stick you know, with your picks. That's terrible, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right, our NFL games. Cowboys Chiefs. This is really interesting, I would say, because the Chiefs just destroyed the Raiders 41 to 14. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense is just atrocious. Let's let's be frank, guys. It's not pretty whatsoever. And the Cowboys have the offense to put up points. So I want to say it could be a high scoring fashion or the Cowboys just detonate and struggle. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to find a way to pull this game out. I don't know how this game is really going to, you know, dictate itself. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. They tried to re-spark their playoff spirit to get them back in the playoff hunt as they're looking how to close out the AFC West. Shree, who do you got? So an interesting game here, right? Both teams uh, kind of picked up last week and kind of uh, made up for, uh, you know, some poor performances the week before, right? Uh, even though the Chiefs did beat the Packers uh, two weeks ago, I still think that they played a very mediocre game. Um, obviously, you know, John's John's Broncos were able to, uh, you know, house the Cowboys. Uh, John's uh, 2021 uh, Super Bowl champion Broncos, should I add. I actually no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm about to say this. That's not my team. That's not my team. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Um, but I will say uh, I'm just going to go with uh, both teams are hot. I'm going to go with uh, whatever team's at home, and it's it's an Arrowhead. So I think it's going to be difficult in November, at the end of November, for the Cowboys to go into Arrowhead and win. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. Isaiah, who do you got, Cowboys or Chiefs? This is going to be a shootout. Um, I don't really see defenses playing a factor in this game. I think it's just going to be offense, 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 and offense. And I, I think that, man, it's, it's tough because you have one dynamic offense on one side, another dynamic offense on the other side. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys just because I think that their defense can at least get one or two stops, and that's 
what I think is going to be critical to winning this game. It's just one or two stops is going to get you the win in this game. And I think that with the Cowboys, the running attack with Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's going to have a big day against that Chiefs defense. And then um, I think Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb, they're going to have huge days in this game as well. So give me Dallas to win this game. But like everybody's been saying in the comment section and everybody's been saying here, it's going to be a shootout. And, John, who do you got, Cowboys or Chiefs? Christy, you need to buy me a early Christmas present. And all the Cowboys fans out there, you owe me a big Christmas present. I'm thinking Dallas to win by two. If this was the Chiefs of 2018, I understand that the backup track is to Raiders. But I'm not here to dismiss it. That's a win is a great divisional win. But who who do the Raiders have on defense? You just released your first round pick. Okay. Who do the Raiders really have? I'm not here to diminish that. But I'm saying the Diggs being on the first turnovers. Michael Parsons being on the first of the quarterback. And this makes me sick. The the root for the Cowboys. Like it's literally every fiber of my being is shaking like Peter Parker in this new movie. It's making me sick. I picked Dallas to win that too. Because think about it, they, they're able to, they're beatable in the event. Chargers did it. And I believe, uh, I forgot, the Bills or somebody else that did it too. So they've lost twice. It's two key ASU teams at home. So I picked Dallas to win that too. But Christy, I expect my Christmas present in the mail next week. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we're going to wrap this up. We got Steelers and Chargers. Obviously, the Chargers had a tough loss with the Vikings. wasn't pretty in all that fashion. But then the Steelers go ahead and tie with the Detroit Lions, 16-16. I don't know how these teams are going to figure this out. Are we going to see another overtime game between these two teams? I don't think so. I'm going to go with my Chargers. They are hungry. They are looking to get back into the AFC West race and trying to win that division. I think they're going to come out on top and try to be dominant with Justin Herbert and their offensive pass out attack. It's just been so aggressive with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Jared Cook and Austin Eckler. That team is just loaded offensive wide to really move the ball up and down the field without a problem. Obviously, defense has to be, make some key stops against the Steelers' offense. But I think the Chargers are going to pull it out in this game without, I wouldn't say, too much trouble. But at the same time, who knows what could really happen between these two teams. And then we could always get in our group, famous group chat, the Chargers lose again. But I think the Chargers are going to take care of business and get this dub in this game. They're not going to lose to the Steelers. I'll go to Shree. Yeah, I agree with you, Trevor. Uh, I think the Steelers are not a 5-3 and three team. Uh, they're probably the worst five and three team I've ever seen in my life. Um, they should have lost last week to the Lions. They should have lost two weeks ago to the Bears at home. Um, you know, with some bad calls from the referee at the end of that game, like I couldn't even believe what I was watching. Um, you know, in reality, the Steelers should be a four and five team. So, uh, going into the Chargers, I think I don't even think it's going to be close. Mason Rudolph plays, Ben Roethlisberger plays. I really don't care. I think the Chargers are going to win by twenty points. So I'm, I'm picking Chargers forty-two to twenty. Isaiah, who do you got? Steelers or Chargers? Sorry, Callan, but the Chargers are going to win again on Sunday. 
The Chargers are going to win this game because I, like Shree, don't even believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mason Rudolph is going to play in the game as Big Ben. I think he has to miss this week and then next week a couple more days because of the COVID list. So, um, and I, I, I just don't like Mason Rudolph. I never have been a fan of his game. I think he's an, he's an absolute scrub. And then now Minka Fitzpatrick is probably not going to play as well because he's out with COVID too. So he's going to have to miss that game, and he's their captain of their defense. So without one of your best secondary players, without, without your starting quarterback, with your backup quarterback who played like crap last week against the Detroit Lions in Pittsburgh – there's no hope for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Chargers are going to win this game again. Sorry, Callan, but I think the Chargers win by at least two touchdowns. John, who do you got? Steelers or Chargers? Just like last year, the Steelers are like a lot of these so-called social media groups or social media people on Instagram. They're frauds. They're not going to be. We saw when they went 10-0, 11-0 last year. They were the worst 11-0 team. Records are deceiving. I'm not picking the Steelers. There is no way. Maybe Fitzpatrick is out because of the COVID. The big man's not playing for a couple weeks. He's probably going to retire after the season. Head to retirement. So I'm going to pick Justin Herbert and the Chargers to win this game by 10, 15 points. All right, gentlemen. Thanks for your picks and pickums. We'll see how these games unfold as this weekend comes. But now let's move on to our Power Five. I know Thanksgiving is right around the corner, corner, but our Power Five kind of ties into that theme. I know we could probably push it more towards a different part of the week, more towards next week, but since we're going to have our Thanksgiving special, you know, Saturday coming up and trying to figure out our schedule and putting that on together, but since we're probably going to take next week off because of the holiday, we're just going to put this out there. Our Power Five for tonight is Top Five Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade Balloons. I'll go to Isaiah. What do you have for your five favorite Macy's Day's Parade Balloons? Don't take Clifford. Don't take Clifford. All right. So I'm actually going to give an honorable mention to start, and that is the giant turkey balloon because, you know, you can't have a Thanksgiving Day Parade without a turkey balloon. And the tur giant turkey balloon is typically a main a staple on the parade. So that's got to be one. You know, it's a staple of the parade. It's been there ever since the parade started in 1920. So that's got to be an honorable mention. It's got to be mentioned. Uh, but let's go to number five. And I got some of these pictures here. Here for all of you guys. Uh, number five on the list, it's got to be the Kool-Aid man, you know? Like, look at this right there. I mean, whoever had this idea to pick the, uh, the Kool-Aid juice man, um, as a balloon, that's a genius idea. Plus, he's oh, he's skating on a skateboard. I mean, how swaggy is that as well? So that's got to be number five. Um, number four on my list is ooh, it's a very tough one uh but you know what and i'm trying to get the picture up uploaded ladies and gentlemen uh so please excuse me uh uh okay i'll, I'll go with this one first but it's this one 
The diary of a wimpy kid died. Greg, it's Greg Hefley. That's Greg yes, Hefley. Greg Hefley. Uh, this balloon right here, I think it, it was uh, it was showcased, I believe, in 2008, if I'm not mistaken. But it's it's perfectly resembles Greg Hefley. It's like Greg's saying, like, oh, my God, uh, help me, as he's falling down on the ground. Um, so that's number four on my list. Uh, number three on my list, you know, another one that is probably a staple as well of the parade. And as I'm uploading this right now, there it is, the SpongeBob with the Santa hat because, you know, the Thanksgiving parade is typically um, a bridge towards Christmas. Uh, it's, you know, it's something to welcome Christmas in. So that's number three. Um, number two on my list. Uh, number two on my list is oh this is actually a good one. Number two on my list is gotta be this one right here, and that is the Charlie Brown football one uh, because you know Charlie Brown football Thanksgiving. You guys know the whole cartoon, the whole story about that. So that is number two on my list. Last but not least, number one on this list for me, it's going to be this one that happened in 2010 and that is the pillsbury doughboy i mean just look at this one right here it's so unique who like we we know of the pillsbury doughboy it's like a iconic character in america commercial history but man someone put it into a balloon and it's just like flying there like like superman like we like that there we go so uh yeah, so the Pillsbury Dope Boy, number one, it's an icon. So that is my power five. John, do you got a power five for our Macy's Day's blooms? I do. Number one, the nerd, the guy with nearly no friends, and the girl that, the nerdy girl that likes him, Charlie Brown. Obviously, I, I can say I grew up with Charlie Brown, number one. I'm SpongeBob. I'm biased. I love my cartoons. I really do not care what anybody thinks. SpongeBob is probably one of my favorite cartoons. SpongeBob number two, number three though I believe it was Squidward. Did Squidward do it a couple years? No, I think it's something else. But um, I mean, yeah, I like said Charlie Brown, SpongeBob, Snoopy. I know it's going back to Charlie Brown, but so those are iconic characters though. I mean, I say maybe maybe as a point with Pillsbury Doughboy, but Turkey because it's closer by Christmas. And, uh, well, I think it's too All right. I'll read Kirstie Wilson's. She got Garfield, Sloop, uh, Sloopy, <laughs> but, but Snoopy and Woodstock, SpongeBob, the Minions, the Minions, and yes. Pikachu. As you can see, Shri, I was in Ohio State mood. I almost said Sloopy. <laughs> I, I sure do you have any that you could call off the top of your head? I, I, I got a few like, here, Trevor. Oh, okay. I got a few here. So I got Sonic the Hedgehog from back in 1993. Uh, that used to be one of my favorite games growing up. So got to give him some love. That's number five. Uh, number four, I got the Charlie Brown, as you guys said, always a Thanksgiving Day classic to see Charlie Brown. Um, Number three, I got Bullwinkle J. Moose. Uh, so that was a throwback there. And they had a Bullwinkle, um, uh, you know, balloon, which is a, uh, 
you know, Trevor will understand the significance of bullwinkles at Ohio State. So reminds me of the good times back in the day. So I got to go with that at number three. Um, and then uh, number two, I got the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, as you guys said, classic uh, kids, kids character, you know, used to love seeing that uh, when I was a kid. And number one, I got to go with the new one for this year. They got a baby Yoda balloon so i gotta go with baby yoda nice all right so for me out of no particular any order i'll just list mine off so in the five spot we got buzz lightyear when they did that for one year just imagine the space ranger with his laser pointing with that so i put that in the fifth spot number four i will have to go with Thomas the Tank Engine when they did that another year. So that's a good one that they did. Number three, I will have to go with Snoopy, but as an astronaut, because they had that as well. Number two is Kermit the Frog here as the number two spot. And then the number one is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the Red Ranger Balloon. And that is my Power Five, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Um, that's our Grogu. Balloon, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Baby Yoda balloon that will be debuting this year on the parade route. Nice. But now, gentlemen, let's move on to our final thoughts. Well, it's been a long program here, almost two hours. It seems like we're almost like Barstool where they have long podcasts and all that stuff. But, hey, we're the MI6 Sports Network, and we have all fantastic stuff. But it's not the MI Sports, I guess, Sports Network without technical difficulties because we had that tonight when Isaiah dropped off. So I think we lived up to all the MI6 expectations. But I'll go around the horn and go to each individual person. I'll start off with Tree. Any final thoughts for our viewers tonight? Just got to say, nice to be on with you guys again. Uh, know that I haven't been probably on the show for a year now. So I've uh, been kind of busy and not able to jump on, but it's always great to, to kind of hop on and talk talk some uh, sports with you guys. And um, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy time with your family this year. I know last year a lot of us didn't get to see our family. So uh, hopefully everyone has a great Thanksgiving. I myself am going to enjoy uh, you know, spending some good time and and uh, and watching a lot of football. So uh, hopefully everybody enjoys and, and thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure, Shri, like always. Isaiah, I guess before you go to I, before I go to you, you probably have like a laundry list of things. So I'll go to John instead. <laughs> well, finally glad to be back on. And uh, this, well, it's been, let's just say, very busy being an adult, and I wanted to drop a membership, but Trevor said no. But uh, no, I'm just glad to be back on talking sports and uh, ready for uh, the potential college football playoffs in a couple or in a couple months, and then we'll see what happens with uh, certain teams. And hopefully, maybe YouTube decides to do something about it next year. All right, and Isaiah, final thoughts tonight. Final thoughts was it was a great show. I want to thank all of our viewers for tuning in, like Christy Wilson, um, Casey King, Big B, Brandon Herrera. By the way, Trevor, uh, there's actually a comment from Big B for you. And he says, Trevor, thank you for making the Power Five 
Oh, not a, oh, I thought you said thank you for making the power five about food. Isaiah might have some crazy food, <laughs> or for not making the power power five about food. So uh, there we go. Uh, Ishmael, uh, Casey. Uh, I think we had a couple more. Adam, Corey Goodridge, and my guy Sarge as well. Um, and also, thank you to Shri for hopping on. Like you said, it's been a while since you did a show, and it's great to you know have you come back do a show and uh, listen to me spew some outrageously truth takes here on the MI6 Sports Network. Uh, but yeah, it was a great show, and you know, hopefully, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we are actually gonna. I'm actually gonna give it to Trevor to announce our plans that we have uh, for Thanksgiving. It's something very special, so you might want to. Uh, stay tuned for that but it was a great show thank you to everybody for tuning in and make sure you check me out tonight on the coast to coast entertainment network i will be doing sports minute in about an hour with adam and big b and we will be talking about does patrick willis deserve to be in the nfl hall of fame tune in all right ladies and gentlemen that will do it here for tonight on the mi6 sports network like isaiah said we're thinking about having a Thanksgiving Day special, not Thanksgiving Day special, but, you know, a special on Saturday to just, you know, get together, share our thoughts about Thanksgiving, some traditions that we have and all that stuff. Make sure we spend some time on that Thursday with our family and friends and just making sure we don't do shows that week. So Saturday will probably be our last day of programming. I may throw a six for six, depending if I want to do it. Friday night or Saturday morning before, you know, going to college game day because that's coming into Columbus. So we got to make sure I make my way over to the stadium a little bit early so I can see that. But that will be it for tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your holidays. See you guys Saturday when we try to go with our Thanksgiving day, Thanksgiving special. But that will do it here. So long for now. Take care from the MI6 Sports Network. So long for now. Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Whoa, say what? Whoa, three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa, it's going down. Whoa, know what time it is. Whoa, we ain't playing with you in the club, in the streets.